Uh, under standards, we're doing fine. We're right on correct. schedule. Yep. Jork is in. Jork. Yes, but not Craig. Okay. Yay. We're just gonna say yay. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Is, is, is that, oh is, no, Cavour, yay. Not oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I I don't uh, I don't uh, make that I don't make uh, that noise. Oh unprompted. Uh, unprompted. Yay. I don't count this as a prompt. <laughs> also, Sabrina points out that this version of Gavar hasn't had audio issues yet. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> well, that's possibly true, depending on how you interpret this version. But um, provided you subscribe to the instance daemon uh, approach, then yes, this version of Kevlar hasn't had audio issues yet. <laughs> All right. Oh, oh, is that how we're doing it? Yes. Yeah, so everybody can see the, the stuff. <clears throat> The discussions on this stuff so like yeah. if we're talking about this particular episode then all the stuff about this episode is in this episode's uh, discord channel yeah, all the links and whatnot so people can come back and check stuff weird uh, what a strange concept it's almost like organization is good instead Ugh. of just like you know the general topic just expanding like infinitely i mean it does that too don't think it doesn't do that. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah, see, Sabrina knows. Okay. I mean, I have some DMT here. I could do that and really figure it out, but that would be probably not conducive to doing the episode. All right. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Is that recording when I said that? Oh, well. Uh, yes, uh, well, but, don't but you can edit the audio and it's not on Twitch, so. That's true. That's true. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Although I do think that there has been here. Oh, well, we are. And we're live. No, we're not. Yes. Are we? It says sending data. YouTube is up. Come on, Twitch. Come on, Twitch. Uh, Twitch. We're, li we're live. I'm not sure if any Twitch just froze for me, so somebody else is going to have to check. Yeah. Twitch is live. Okay. Great. Would you All hear right. people who are not Rob? Yeah. I even heard myself in Kavar, so like the ones most you, likely to break. Did you hear me, though? Well, yeah. Oh, even did. I heard you, Rob. Great. Perfect. Everyone heard the Rob. Everyone around the entire planet. You just transmitted that telepathically to every single person, and you are now the new god. People but will be worshiping you for centuries to come. Red. Oh, that's that's not optimal. Okay, I don't know what the hell happened there. Fine. Okay. All right, we're live, everyone. Ostensibly, it's Friday. How are you? This is Rob. Uh, welcome to another episode of Flail Forward. I have with me tonight Catrice. Hi, Catrice. Good And Mark. Hello. Hello. And Kavor is here. 
Yeah, I think so. Or at least some version of me, according to earlier discussions. <laughs> some version of Cavoir is here. I don't know if it's this version. This could cause confusion uh, later. I, the, 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 the philosophy I'd like to uh, propose to all of you is that you all have your own personal Kevlar that is slightly different. It's created from the concept echoing your brain and your individual That's... interpretation of such. So, No, that totally tracks. I just want to say that this sounds an awful lot like the pseudo sort of psychology thing at the end of Evangelion. <laughs> my my version of Kavar is an evil Kavar. Oh, okay. Um, I thought that was the standard default. So we're off to a great start. Yeah, more, uh, a more useful question <laughs> is how do we define evil? Evil, evil in RPGs. Not RPGs. RPGs. Says. Hey, we already got like the first question up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of our one of our um, people uh, who was in Sabrina has has given us an outline which we will probably ignore. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here Thank first. You the... <laughs> Don't worry, Sabrina. I've tried this before. Yeah, we outlines. Yeah, deviate. Uh, but this is great. <laughs> so we appreciate topic, the effort though yeah our topic today is about evil which was my intended segue but i think it, it did not work so are we talking about evil what is the how does this relate to rpgs okay so let's start with start with where most rpgs start with evil and that's the evil alignment uh, how many if, RPGs have evil alignment other than D&D? Almost everything based off D&D. That's... Okay, you're right. And I think, I think some of... Like, I would say that's a lot of games when you add them all up. <laughs> yeah, I, would say, I wouldn't really call... Um, uh, what's it called? I wouldn't really call Rifts D&D based, but it definitely has a, their own take yep. on the D&D alignment chart, which does contain certain things defined as evil. I, 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 I would I would say Rifts is kind of D&D based. I mean... Yeah, you're right. I, I, I just looked at it from an entirely a sideways perspective, and it, it probably started as D&D, and then they were, and then it is probably just somebody's elaborate homebrew of cool things. Like, it's probably somebody taking D and D and changing everything until it's what they want. Yeah, so that I mean, even even Rift's fantasy it. was like pretty much identical. So it, it 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 was a hack that hacked itself back into D and D. Yep, if you can believe that. Anyway, yeah. So, so evil, right? <clears throat> what is I, evil? I don't think the idea of evil as D&D describes it is actually useful as a concept because it's like their definition of evil usually comes across as something that is completely non-functional like if you play an evil character the way they say a character is evil it's like you can't form 
any kind of social structure at all with anyone. Like, you can't even maintain minions. Like, there's no way to actually have this be a character that's worth telling a story about because they're going to get their ass murdered in like five minutes. <laughs> okay. Well, so where did where so this concept in D and D probably descends from Tolkien and then is filtered through uh, a born again insurance salesman uh, who who invented D and D. So I feel like there's a strong uh, theistic tilt to the to the, to the alignment chart. <laughs> That's that's based on a a, a particular um, a particularly shallow reading of the Judeo Christian ethic. Uh, so it's it's so it's kind of like that's I I would say at this point in gaming that most games that are not that don't start as a heartbreaker. Don't even bother with the concept of alignment, let alone defining evil. Yeah, I mean, there's still, like, there's still definitely the concept of evil, just not quite the same black and white view of it. Right. I do think that there's something compelling or classical, I guess, about the idea of good versus evil in in a conflict which is a lot of what rpgs try to create is the sense of tackling different conflicts mm -hmm. uh, so it is the i guess most uh polarized view of us versus them or one versus the other it's these extremes of good and bad well i mean that's the problem right so it, it ultimately becomes religious again because as soon as you have ultimate good ultimate evil you've just instantiated a deity dichotomy. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, so you go, you get into a spot where you either have to personify those things as you know a good god and an evil god, or you you say that no, they don't reify into concepts and they're not personified. So they're just they're like you know in um, if you were to try and do this in Game of Thrones, right? You couldn't tell me who's evil. You could tell me who did evil actions, but you can see the motivation right so motivated characters don't think of themselves as evil ever they just see themselves as taking the best move and so like the good and evil to me has always been that's how high fantasy it is like the if if, if good and evil are strongly and strictly defined you're in the realm of high fantasy and if evil are, are good and evil are perspectives that characters can take and pick up and put down and their behaviors um are complex and their motivations complex then i think you don't you can't make good or evil claims as in terms of in terms of category you can say in terms of behavior that's been that's that's a that's an action that caused more suffering than it relieved or an action that relieved more suffering than it caused. Um, but you can't like, mm, okay, I'm losing the thread there. Sorry. 
actually, Kim, Kim makes a point mm. that mm -hmm. he says a number of recent games, I'm going to debate that in a moment, have, have evil as fascists or racists who are never portrayed as morally gray. And I mean, that's basically getting into the idea of my side is pure good and your side is pure evil. But mm -hmm. I'd actually point out that it's not just recent games. Like if you look into even something like Shadowrun, like if it's supposed to be a dystopian future, everything's mm -hmm. supposed to be morally gray, but you know, the, the blatantly obvious racial polyclubs <laughs> that are in it, they're yep. pretty much pure evil. Like there's nobody really has any arguments against that it's like all the orcs are evil we should exterminate the entire race mm -hmm. it's like yeah we're pretty certain that <laughs> everybody else is yeah. morally great but yeah. yeah you're the asshole right <laughs> yeah it's it, it it's pretty easy to instantiate those extremes and then label that easel evil like that's it's really because it's obvious right it's it's just like here here's a really bad reason to hate people and let's make this group of people have that reason and then and then it's like it's it, it it you're almost it's weird because the designers are actually instantiating a victim group there not a power dominant group they're yeah. actually saying here's the group of people it's okay to fuck up <laughs> and and so there there's an interesting thing there because they're designating a, a group of people as the it's morally good to to destroy them right, right. which is which in my opinion is the same as saying is the same as saying putting evil on a demon and saying it's morally good to destroy this demon yeah actually the the demon thing uh stood out earlier like the um uh sabrina had actually linked the the chaos like the different uh D, &D alignments and the chaotic mm. evil one creatures which act with arbitrary violence spurred by their greed hatred or bloodlust such as demons are chaotic evil and it's like you know that sounds more like a paladin or a ranger like mm -hmm. you know they have like hated groups like oh paladin comes across a demon they have right. to destroy the demon just by default because the demon is evil, therefore, it's like, wait, that's supposed to be good, not evil. <laughs> so even the lawful good paladin by this definition follows into chaotic evil as soon as they See, this encounter is, a demon. Right, exactly. So this is this is the thing that 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 was weird to me about when um so let's let's pick a game that's actually racist. Uh let's 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 bring up my frogue just for a second. Um, because I was looking at that game. It's written by, uh, I'm not going to even mention the name, but you can Google it. Um, but it has within it, like pretty clear racial archetypes that map pretty clearly to real world people. And it's pretty clear who the author intends to be the good guys and the bad guys. So when this came out, obviously people were upset because it's pretty clear. <laughs> it's like it, the, the, the upsetness is, is justified. Um, my contention was it was it wasn't different from D and D. It still instantiates a group of people as the the group that it's okay to fuck up, and 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 lets you have at them. It just doesn't portray them as monsters, which is the mm -hmm. which is the 
the differentiation between D and D and 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 this other game, and instantiating something as monstrous means by default it's inhuman, right? So it doesn't participate in the same value structure, the same biology, the same blah 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 blah, anything like that. So it in fantasy that's their monsters are more like the environment, the danger in the environment manifest as a single entity than something you can potentially negotiate with or befriend right so like 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 in 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 the odyssey like Scylla and charybdis are these two sea monsters and there's no you can't negotiate with them or anything you can just avoid them or get eaten basically um but that's that's the whole thing like monstrous like an act of an act of nature to a degree yeah but the way let me make a case that the way uh orcs are often portrayed are as uh like savage the savagery of the wilderness come to attack a town it is you know in 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 the sense they're standing in for the awful part of nature that you can fight as opposed to the awful part of nature that you can't fight like uh famine or winter or something like that um i you know so i think it's it, it it's doing this weird um like modal sleight of hand by taking the danger and and personifying it and then making it okay to kill that danger because that's the heroic thing to do when you go face danger um but you as soon as you tr you you have the modal confusion of thinking that's a human then the construct falls apart because then it has feelings and values and motivations and it's not a monster anymore then it's as, I mean, it, it, it's almost weird to have like a game in which you can negotiate with the dragon in some sense. Like if, if the game's about killing the dragon and taking his treasure, like having, having negotiating with it be a possibility creates confusion because it doesn't, it's not clear then what the moral stance is. And I mean, in some sense, you're leaving that up to the players, which is fine by me, but it's it it makes me feel like the design is confused in some sense well I, yeah is it necessarily i guess a, a bad thing to have that um painted duality of like good and evil just for the sake of being able to tell the story of a game like no i don't think so yeah it's i mean it's the thing i mean the thought i just had was it's it's like if you're if you're gonna give I mean if you're gonna make that the case like don't don't make combat the main mode of interaction <laughs> hmm. like if it's if it's gonna if you want if you want to have a story about players interacting with with something and choosing the type of interaction they have like right yeah Yeah, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think it, like tracing it back to what the roots of the hobby have been with D&D, it makes sense that if you're having a combat, like you want to have a conflict and having two teams that are against each other, it makes sense for one team to be uh, the paragons of good and one to be the paragons of evil. And that is enough explanation to be able to get into a, a fist fight. Um, <laughs> but with where the... I guess the story-driven RPG uh, incentive is coming from, and like where things are going with the hobby, 
I think it definitely leaves more room for us to say there are other opportunities for conflict that aren't just painted good and evil, black and white. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. that there should be more nuance. So. I, I think it depends on what you're going for, too. Like, if you're just doing a game where you just want to be like, we don't want to think about it. We just want, like, mindless TV that you sit down. Oh, we basically defeat the monsters because the monsters are evil. We're rewarded for it. Then that's fine if that's all you're aiming. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not aiming to to think about things. And it's like, okay, that's a valid form of play. But if you want to actually think about what's going on, like... The idea of there being, oh, there's just pure evil monsters. We will defeat them for the sake that they are evil. Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't even work in my game. Like, my game is centered around the idea of, like, your the biggest problem that you have is not, like, the idea of good and evil in terms of there being a strictly defined evil that you have to defeat. It's more so that you have been held up against your own moral values and you failed them. So it doesn't matter what good and evil is because they're not important in rigidly defined terms. They're important in terms of a relative perspective of, I consider this to be a, a virtuous thing. I consider this to be a good thing. And I completely screwed it up. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and I think that... yeah, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that as, as long as it's held against your own values, it doesn't matter what those values are. Right. And in terms of the role playability of that concept, I think having a morality system helps a lot in defining who your person or your persona is, who that character is, and that having the concepts of morally good, morally evil defines a morality that your character lives by or uh, strives for, and that creates the internal conflict for that character of who am I and what what am I striving for? Yeah, I, I, I tried actually modifying the D&D alignment thing, like changing it heavily, and just the basic concept does not work as a morality system. Like, it's completely non-functional. Like, even if you start making large changes to it, it still doesn't work. What I ended up having to do is setting it based on values of the individual, not like, this is pure good, or this is pure evil. Like, not a proper morality system, just a values hierarchy like i value taking care of other people like family members for example i want to protect my family it's like okay that's that's something that you consider to be a moral good or a virtue or something that you're you consider to be a something that you should work towards or if you betray your family even if they totally deserved it that is a moral failing on your part because you should always put your family first kind of concept right mm-hmm. and generally that has just worked so much better for this kind of concept than trying to have a proper 
in quotation marks morality system because I don't think he can really set up like strictly defined good and evil. You can only really define what you consider to be important. Yeah. And then that, right. Yeah, I agree. And then that can, that, that gets slammed up against other people's importance. And then those values go to war, generally speaking. Well, yeah. I mean, that's usually where a lot of wars started. It's, mm-hmm. it's not over like resources like land or food or money. It's going to be over usually, it's usually money. Dissonance. It's usually money. I mean, the most of the yeah. most most of the wars <laughs> about money. Yeah, because that's what people value, right? That's I'm just I'm not I'm not totally disagreeing with you. I'm just saying. Well, a lot of that's because money is like the stand-in for what value is. Yep. Because like money is what lets it's like a tool to be able to say everything is that has value has this much value. So if I have this many chickens, I can convert it into this much clothing because they both have a set value in money. So you kind of have to value money because money is everything. No, money is good at a lot of things. It's not everything. No, but I mean it in the sense of it can buy a lot of things. But it, it, there are there are values that money doesn't help you acquire. No, I I realize that. I mean it in in the sense of it represents anything that you can trade. Yes, it's not necessarily very good for that. Like it's really bad at buying favors. Like. Having a rich person owe you a favor is worth a lot more than the money they have. Generally speaking. How to leverage it. But yeah, it's like money is just like a stand-in for certain stuff. But it, yeah. it is a good because it can cover so many different things, it's sort of a ubiquitous thing. Like, of course, people are gonna value money because Money can represent food. Money can represent uh, power in some cases. Money can represent like shelter, like health. Like if you can afford better health care, then you may live longer. Not necessarily, but there's a pretty good chance of it. Like you can probably buy medication and such. So, yeah, money is important just because of its versatility. It would be really weird if people totally didn't value money because that basically means that they don't value any of the things that it represents as being able to be traded for money. Hmm. Okay, so Sabrina posts something interesting here. It's very, that's uh, from Spire that is, uh, I'm assuming what it's post puts in its opening to tell people that uh, it's not Dungeons and Dragons, basically. <laughs> Which is, we're not off to the wilderness. It's in the city. There's no morality system. No one thinks of the bad guy. There's no spell to detect chaotic evil or not, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Uh, and there aren't any monsters. You're not going to kick in doors and shank works, safe from the knowledge that they aren't people and therefore find a kill. Yeah. So this is what I was saying. Um, so, so, the fact, I mean, D&D should have something like this in the front of it that is the opposite of this. 
Like we're off to the wilderness. There is a morality system. There are monsters. It's okay to kill them. Go. Right. You know what I mean? Like it would no. it would clarify a shitload uh and and settle a ton of arguments about what people are showing up to the table to do. It kind of was. <laughs> Not kind. It would. It's pretty explicit, right? Like, because so many no, people no. Are, are on the are on different pages about what D and D is supposed to be doing for them. Well, I think the issue is that even if they wrote it in the book in as blatantly clear of an example as possible, that's still not going to clear it up for a lot okay. of people because, like, you're getting into an issue where, like, the concept of the alignment system at this point it's like it doesn't matter how clearly defined it is people have taken this with almost a religious fervor like if you disagree no. with their definition of what uh the alignments mean then you are arguing with them as a person like you are saying that their personhood is wrong because you disagree with their idea of what alignment means. And uh, and Sabrina also posted the the preface to the player's handbook, fifth edition, which reads like a bunch of wank. Sorry, <laughs> that is terrible. I mean, it's just it's just pablum. Jesus. Um. Yeah. No offense to Michael Merles who wrote it. I like his other stuff sometimes, but that that is just that is just crap. Sorry, none of it's true. I mean, it's true in general of all RPGs, but D and D doesn't support any of that shit. So I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Um, wow, I got really upset there for a second. <laughs> so what? blatant, flagrant lies piss you off? Who knew? Yeah. But why? Why should they? Like it? It they're they're not affecting. I mean, I'm, I guess I'm I'm bummed on behalf of the people who read that and then play the game thinking that that's the thing that's going to happen. Like guaranteed. Whereas, yeah, it can happen. But <laughs> Does, uh, how much the game is actually like helping you do that stuff? Like some, not, not a bunch. I don't think it's working so, against you. But so, yeah. In terms of having this defined uh, aspect of what is an evil, is it does it help players or I guess game masters enable um, sort of a, a different style of play? That I guess the classic form, if you were to think about the D and D, is um, like to to be the good heroes, the champions of of justice, and and fight for uh, I don't know virtues. Mm -hmm. But having that definition of evil, does it open up then that opportunity to play the evil storyline, and that that's sort of a different um, thing that you can explore with your party by having that defined in the game, like. Having the other side to play as. I think it's an issue with D and D in particular because their their idea of what's heroic is pretty evil. It's like, oh, mm -hmm. you just broke into somebody's house, murdered everybody in it, and then you stole everything that you found. I mean, sure, they were orcs or a dragon, but that sounds pretty um 
not heroic. Just, just, just gonna put that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the whole murder hobo thing. Like, as Sabrina says, like, yeah, it's murder hoboing. You are going around murdering everything. You don't live in any one spot. You just go around killing everything, and then you go get drunk at the tavern. Yeah. Have Have you uh, any of you besides me played or run an evil game? I have not. I. I don't know what you mean by. I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean by exactly what you were just, what Mark was just talking about, playing the game from the other side. Kind of not really. Like okay. I've played, I've played games as characters that would be potentially defined as evil. So here, here, here's the thing. So I've, I've run and played in a number of those games. They work way better way better than trying to get adventurers to do questy shit in D&D. Like D&D is set up to for you to be a drow, an orc, uh a uh, a uh, uh, kuatoa, uh you know, a, a half demon, a half drag, whatever the hell. D&D is set up for all that weird shit and then for you to go biting villagers heads off. It's really good at that. It's good at that when the knights come out and the paladins show up and they're like, they're evil. And then they go, oh, great, a paladin, yummy. And it, it's so fun for players. It really is. I don't know why. I mean, it, I, mean I do know why. Because it, it lets you, it lets you, um, it lets you have that adolescent urge to just smash shit <laughs> without, <laughs> without hurting anything or anybody. Uh, and it's a good you know it's it's just like oh we get to, we get to be it's okay we are taking the safeties off everybody gets to be an asshole right now to the people that don't exist and mm -hmm. and when that's explicit in a game of dnd &D, yeah you can get some line crossy stuff but as long as everybody's like that's kind of what we're doing here i think i think it's I, it it works as a pressure release if that's if everybody's on on the same page and i you know ha yeah they do implode eventually because like it's they're let me see when were the, the two that the, the, I've, I've run two let me see three evil games three one actually lasted quite a long time it was just hard to get the group together uh and then the second one i did Feel like it just it ran like two sessions and then i got bored of it or something like that or they finished the adventure and i just didn't bother doing another one and then another one that i ran later was much more like involved and had um like politics and stuff in it but it was mm. it was uh that was more like backstabby intrigue type evil type stuff where where all of those um <laughs> all those spells that are really uh really not kosher in D D just kind of like had the safeties turned off and like it was some dark shit happened <laughs> in that game. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um and so and then I played in a couple games and those generally like so, so what'll happen is that one guy will take it just a bit too far. Uh and and uh, it, it 
will step on someone's toes and or like there's just like ah this isn't fun anymore type type stuff um but i think if if ever i mean i think if you have like those those three like concepts in the front like that little like those bullet points of what we're all here to do like yeah we get to be assholes but not to each other uh yeah we are totally it's you can do anything you want to these imaginary people and nobody's going to balk at it because they're not real and go ahead and have fun like you know be be the murder hobo just lean into it type stuff just get it out of your system kind mm -hmm. of thing yeah yeah like i've done campaigns that could be described as evil like here you're going to this city you're supposed to disrupt their everything like their economy their their trade their all of their religious stuff all of their people it's like sure we've like literally gone and like i had a character that set up to burning down all of their fields for food and a lot of the uh their their housing and then subverted their church by starting my own church in praise of myself and basically provided humanitarian aid so that they would thank us for it it's like that's pretty close to like an evil campaign really but mm -hmm. it's like it wasn't <laughs> meant to be evil it's just it happened to be a very pragmatic way to cover like you know completely destabilizing this region and getting filthy rich while doing it so basically you played america <laughs> well, if, if america was cobalt yes if america was cobalt I, now there's an interesting campaign if america was cobalt's somebody write it yeah <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's just imperialist kobolds and Starbucks for as far as I can see. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of silly. Now, I, I do have a campaign that's coming up. Like, a friend of mine really wants to get, like, a bunch of their friends together to play D&D. &D. Mm -hmm. So it will be 5th edition d and I haven't played that in a while. But basically, they want to have a setup where basically there is the rough ideas. There's the standard good humanoid races are basically like one country so like elves the mm -hmm. humans the dwarves then there was a war between them and you know the more monstrous races like the the goblins and their cora and so on. i forget mm -hmm. how to even pronounce that but anyway but basically the good side in quotation marks figured out how to set up teleporting teleporting bombs and they just basically did the equivalent of like nuking a city mm -hmm. so basically the evil the evil or at least monstrous races quit things they're like okay you win it's fine like we can't handle you just like teleporting bombs into our houses nonstop <laughs> but they're not too happy about it so yeah, like, this is part of what actually got me to bring up this topic, because I, I've been thinking a lot about, like, this kind of stuff and how it would 
uh, show up in my game. So mm -hmm. it's like, I'm going to play a goblin because I kind of like the goblin aesthetic. And I was thinking, like, how would I set up goblins for my game? Because mm -hmm. I can't just do, like, generic D&D goblins. It's not going to work. But I can do things that, like, I like playing with the idea of how something is recognizable to like the lore and such that people are used to, but it's handled in a different way. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I've come up from a game for like goblins is at basically a very young age, they, they teach basically everybody to fight kids get weapons. Like you should have a sword at a young age because you learn how to be basically a polite society if everybody's armed because if every anytime you start like a fight with someone they might kill you you're not going to start very many fights you're not going to you're not going to break into somebody's house if you kick in the door and you have like a small armory facing you and it's like okay maybe this was a bad idea because you know, there's not going to be a whole lot of repeat offenders if this is your kind of morality system. So if you're not a goblin and you go into a goblin town, it's like you may find them very abrasive. They tend to try to look like they're going to pick a fight. Like they will be very aggressive towards you first thing. They're not actually trying to start a fight. They're trying to do like the bouncer Thing of I am so scary you do not want to fight me it's just better if we don't fight like it's more posturing really kind of thing right mm -hmm. so they, there's like a whole bunch of rumors and stuff of like you know goblins fight dirty if you're fighting a goblin it's a good chance that they're going to bite your fingers off kind of thing however it's even though this is like a really common sort of knowledge thing that everybody knows goblins do this, oddly enough, nobody actually seems to know anybody that this has happened to. Because uh -huh. it, it turns out the goblins are the ones that are seeding all of these rumors themselves, just so that people don't pick a fight with a goblin in the first place. So, it that's basically what I'm doing with goblins for the game, because I I am going to include like all so, so 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 they have an entire polite society based on intimidation and fast talking. Yes. <laughs> okay. So Canada, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, oh, that mapped way too closely. <laughs> Especially if you include hockey. I that's what I'm talking about. Um yeah, as, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have to be sorry. I'm not Canadian, but the rest of you. I accept but, your apologies in advance. Yeah, but the <laughs> idea of like having an evil race and it's like any other, like from like our morality as we have like in the Western world today, like we're relatively civil, polite. Like we think it's typically bad to generally be an asshole to people but it's like to like goblin society that i'm like building for this setup it's like they'd be like um 
Yeah, this is why you have such a high crime rate. This is why so many people die in your society. It's like, we don't have those problems. Like, we know better than to get in a fight because it's not worth it. <laughs> like, you don't have to guess. Yes, the person that you're talking to has a knife. They will shank you. Mm -hmm. So don't they piss won't, them though. off. But they, that's the thing, though. So but they won't, though. They probably won't. Unless you actually do something that warrants a good shanking. I see. <laughs> so don't do anything that warrants a good shanking and everybody's fine. This so is... I, yeah, I, go ahead, bro. No, I was just saying this is like reminiscent of like the 1600s Edo period where, where everybody walked around with a sword in Japan and just like everybody was polite, super polite because it was legal to kill peasants. If they pissed you off. <laughs> I mean, that's more asymmetrical, but I, I don't know that it would be like as that thing if the peasants were also armed. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's one of those odd things that is just like, this is definitely something that we have seen something sort of similar to this quite a few times in history in different cultures. So, you know, it, it, there is some basis and foundation for mm -hmm. it oh yeah 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 so uh but, it, but I like italian to... dueling for example it, it, italy in the 1500s was just everybody <laughs> strapped because it was fashionable not not, not, not for any like self-defense reason just like swords were pretty and like it, if you were wealthy you owned a nice one and then uh well, you didn't want well to learn to use it no you didn't you learned to use it that was the thing <laughs> you just waved oh. it around like an asshole uh, like, but that what's made, the but, point but that, of having that, a sports car collection right. if you don't know how to drive? Right. <laughs> I guess, but but uh, anyway, I yeah. was just talking about Italians because that's those are my people, and I know they're all violent and weird. Yeah, but the the point of this though is to say this is something that I wanted to make it very clear that this matches what you expect from you know goblins like this is going to be a vicious small bloodthirsty looking race that has problems fitting in with you know polite society like they will come up to you and they will threaten you first thing like like they may not even bother to like say hello first before they've already threatened your life three times but they managed to get along like pretty well despite doing this and particularly because they're doing this because oh hey like you're dealing with like storm giants or you know the idea of like actual dragons and you know things that can make you go squish really easily and you're relatively small and not particularly well physically equipped compared to like a lot of the other things that you're running across so mm -hmm. you know being just friendly in hoping that they don't kill you just because they can is not a very viable strategy like making it so that they do sort of more like what you expect from say an aggressive form of like the the neutral countries like it's gonna make it obvious that 
it's going to suck if you actually do try to fight us. So don't bother wasting your time. Like you'll probably win an extended fight, but it's like yeah, it's it'll not hurt too much. It. Just the just winning don't will bother. hurt too much. Yeah, like you'll get a pyric victory out of it. Congratulations, <laughs> you won, but it it wasn't it wasn't worth the effort. Just just don't fight us. Mm -hmm. And it's like it matches like all the things that you would expect from a goblin, which is kind of what I want. Mm -hmm. Like it looks goblin-ish anyway. Okay. So uh, it sounds like in terms of the, the topic of evil, that there are a lot of implications in terms of the culture or the environment that you set up, as well as oh, like definitely. directly the, the narratives that you can tell. But as a as a game designer, when you're considering having this sort of black and white evil good, is there also an implication to like the, the mechanics themselves, like the, the nitty gritty of the game where having this uh, concept of evil really comes to highlight some of the game's features? Or like, are, are there games that really need that morality system, that duality of good versus evil to tell an effective story in terms of the, the actual nuts and bolts of how the game works. Mm. I, I, think it's only, yeah. I think it's only really relevant if the story itself is about good and evil as an externalized concept. Like if it's internalized at all, or if it's uh, specific areas like you have to overcome like this magical like mountain that it's something for our people to do like we always have to climb this mountain but it was enchanted like long ago and it's right. just pure evil it's malicious it will change itself to try to kill you like it'll have avalanches and mudslides and shit for no good reason other than the fact that it doesn't like you and it's like something like that i could see it but if it's anything else, like it, I don't think you really need mechanics for morality right. in the I'm sense just, of good and evil, anyway. I guess I'm just trying to think of as a as a game designer when you're considering what kind of story to tell or what kind of game that would most effectively tell your story. Are there sort of mechanics that might go into telling a story about good or evil? Like, I guess the morality systems that we have would be that kind of mechanic. Um, but are there things that tie into the sort of nitty-gritty or um, that we can point to a game that does that really well? Because, yeah, um, whether like corruption as an idea would be the thing. I know I've played uh, Tenra, and in that game, it's not so much evil as uh, like this uh, persistent evil, but more of like the the soul gets corrupted by um, your your attachment to the mundane world, and that if you have too much of that attachment to the physical world, you are weighed down by it, and that you become this demon um, who is a like. Uh, a physical being um, and that was sort of the concept of what evil was in the game uh, which i thought was a very interesting way of playing that sort of system it, it tied directly into the progression where 
you wanted to resolve these things that were material concerns. And once they were resolved, then your your character's spirit was sort of like lightened, you gained experience, you got to advance your character, uh, and you shed some of your material concerns. Mm. Yeah, about the only ones that I can think of off the top of my head that would be similar are a lot of the White Wolf games, like, you know, whole Vampire the Masquerade and such, like, because that's a large part of it is you have gone from being a relatively good human to being a monster. And the whole point of the game, for the most part, is how are you going to retain some shred of humanity without just becoming basically a mindless creature that just murders everything for food. Right, except that morality system sucks shit because <laughs> this, uh-huh. because like all the time you're dealing with humans, like as soon as you get embraced, right, as a vampire, like it, for that game to work, you have to have have not stolen anything in your life. That's where you start in that game. Theft is theft kicks you down to a six, as I recall, in that masquerade. Uh, so it like you if so we had this joke like back when we were playing that like it would be funny for Malcaven to go around embracing serial killers and making them moral. Because it would kick them up the humanity ladder from from serial killer, which is like one to seven instantaneously because the mechanic yeah it is a little weird uh and the fact that you you know if you kill a human once you i I think that's a level that's an offense all the way down to like level three or two so if you play any of the games that i've ever played in a vampire and you use the morality rules you stop playing the game by about session four because everybody's an uncontrollable monster. Yeah, so we but... just chuck it. We don't, we, after that, we just stop using. We're just like, this is stupid. And yeah, I didn't say it was good. I was just saying that. No, it exists. It has one. I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it makes you think, though, about like the nature of monstrous characters, like things like the concept of a werewolf. Like, why do you have like werewolves in movies being really popular? Because it's like here's a temporary situation where you lose your humanity, you start just being like a vicious monster, and then you retain you return to your humanity. You may not even remember that you did these things. And it's like, is it considered moral at this point to destroy the evil creature and end up killing like the perfectly normal person that's inside of it or is it should you contain the monster find a cure for it or something along those lines and is there even such a thing as just you know there being a cure for all of the evil inside of you kind of concept Very. Um, sorry, I'm trying to catch up on some of the messages. Um, but uh, 
what other considerations would you say go into your your decision making of how to define cultures and uh, like defining what uh, values the different communities have in a game that you've created, like Catrice with yours, that's a very bound setting. How did you go about defining the concept of um, cultural values? Like, did you have um, yeah. stuff for each of these having evil and or, um, yeah. yeah, like I, I tried to make them so that they're pretty good blend of stuff. Like, um, overarching cultures are more based on physiology, just because like they're strictly not human. But then you get like individual like groups within such. So. Um, one, for example, would be like the Fraxians, like they're, they're meant to be, they value strength and it's not strength in the sense of like, oh, you're the strongest person. Therefore you, because you're physically strong, you automatically oppress everybody who's less powerful than you. Anybody who can't beat you in a fight, then you're free to oppress. It's like, not like that at all. It's more like we value people who happen to be strong individuals like if you're somebody who can control your urges that's a form of personal strength if you're somebody who's very intelligent you go through like a lot of effort to um also better yourself in terms of like um learning knowledge and putting it to practical use like this is its own form of strength. And once you have that form of strength, it becomes your obligation to also look out for those who do not have that same form of strength. Like one of their three goddesses, like enormous, like 11 and a half foot tall woman. She's like a powerful fighter, but she put all of her, like, effort into like protecting scholars and researchers and scientists who were generally thought of at the time as well you're weak and scrawny because you have your nose buried in a book all the time why should we protect you and she's like they can do the stuff that we can't we should probably be protecting them so that they can do that stuff safely that way they can focus on that form of strength and we can focus on our form of strength and then everybody's better off for it so it's like yeah there are like overarching sort of morality systems that i built up just on the idea of what makes sense for this species based on like their physiology and the area that they evolved in like the Fraxians had like basically really shitty living conditions, like not a lot of food in the area, not a lot of shelter, you know, basically borderline between like uh, a desert or what's the thing that comes right before a desert? Like Australia has like a lot of them. I forget the term off the top of my head. 
arid drylands or something like yeah, that? Yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Was, Savannah? Yeah, Savannah would work too. Okay. So, yeah, like dry, drylands or Savannah or whatever. It's like there's not a lot of food. There's, it is pretty bad. Some areas are actual desert. It's like you learn a morality that lets you survive in this environment. Right. And develop a culture around that. Yeah, if you do not develop a culture that lets you survive, then you don't have a culture because you're right. extinct. Yeah. <laughs> so what happens to be defined as good and evil in, for this kind of situation is going to be based on what they run into. As they progressed, like they have like technology that in in the game setting basically they're their home world they're now at roughly about technology level say 2200 2300 kind of era so sort of like shadow run level technology so they have like severe overpopulation so uh necromancy is considered to be immoral not because you know raising the dead is bad it's just we do not have the resources to you know, keep people alive forever. Mm. We can do it. We have the magical technology to revive people. We can keep them alive forever, but um, we can't afford to do that. <laughs> That's very interesting. It, it makes it interesting for the party as well, like where you have this diverse set of characters from different backgrounds who all carry in their own level of morality. Like ideally that's what D&D wanted to do as well with the different um, deities or the different gods that all these players would come in with a different god that they would worship and they'd have their own scale of what is good and what is evil or I guess what is right and what is wrong. Um, they just superimpose that on top of a, an absolute scale of good and evil. But having that gray morality makes it interesting for the, the stories that emerge from it. Because now it's conflicts of, well, someone might disagree with it in, um, in terms of the resources that you consume, but someone else might uh, be able to solve that problem. And then that becomes a, like, what happens when that community comes into an abundance of resources? Or, I don't know, that, that seems very interesting to me, that there is um, a lot of opportunity to play with these more gray good and evils yeah that's kind of what i was going for like i i still wanted it to seem like at like a glance if you tried to give like explain this concept in like one sentence it would sound like oh this is a pure evil society and then you get like a more in-depth explanation it's like they're actually fairly altruistic for the most mm. part. That's not what it sounded like. Right. Like, how do you go from valuing strength to like one of their greatest sports is combative, like player versus player meditation? Hmm. What? Yeah, they have like a a a sport thing where like they basically have um it's based off an actual game that i found um basically you attach like a headband to yourself that can 
uh, pick up on alpha brainwaves. Oh. oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that thing. So as you enter into like a more deep of a meditative mm -hmm. state, you generate stronger alpha waves. So basically the headband picks up on this. So the idea is you have two people try and sit across from each other. They have like a ball in the middle that's basically controlled by a magnet under the table. Whoever gets into a deeper meditative state basically pushes the ball into the enemy's goal. The thing is, you can insult the other player, try to work them up, try to uh, get them pissed off to break off their meditative state. But that risks messing up your own at the same time. And it's basically a spectator sport. So you have your fans cheering for you and, and trying to mess up the enemy as well. So it's like, it's literally just, this is a form of strength. We're literally just meditating in a combative way. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, but there's, there's a, I, if there are any Buddhists listening to this, I'm sure they're upset by that idea. <laughs> and, that, that <laughs> um, and, and that and 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 let me just remind them right now that Cat uh, has six has won the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the thing. Like, if you get pissed off about it, then mm -hmm. you lose. Yep. What's <laughs> <laughs> up? How did you resolve, or how did you approach uh, defining evil in your game? Do you also have a pretty bound setting? I do. I don't define evil. Well, you don't define evil. I don't, so how, or good. Does, or... That's one way it affects it. Yeah. <laughs> So why did you choose not to define it? Or how does it play a role? Um, Sabrina's saying it's defined in one place. I think she's read your game too. So. I know she has, but I don't know. Oh yeah, if yes, I within the religions I've I've defined what they consider oh. good or evil. For the player characters, I don't. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Those are separate yeah. things. Like each, each faith, if you have a faith, there's Yes. One of the main things that defines a faith is it defines what good and evil is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But even even those those are those are those are instantiated as uh I use I just generally delineate the faith's higher values and then and then that's it. So and those will come into conflict just because they will. So I don't I mean yeah, for the players I don't have a let me see. Do I have a morality system? Is is because you, well, you could argue that my advancement system and the overall structure of my game has a moral message, but I mm -hmm. don't. I don't know. Is it a moral message? It might be. Um, the idea that you're here to that in some way you're responsible for what's going on and you have the ability to fix it and you can choose to do so or you can choose to let the world get worse except that instead of you getting to ignore those consequences the game doesn't let you ignore them mm -hmm. so 
the issue with that on your game though is that you're going to run into situations where you can't solve all of the world's mm -hmm. problems so even Correct. even if you're doing your absolute best to save everyone you can't do it right so the problem with that that i'm seeing just off the top of my head is that once you've essentially stolen the cookie from the cookie jar once you're less it's not as bad of a problem the next time you do it and the next time. So it's like, okay, I accidentally, I could not save everybody. This group of people, they totally got massacred because I was saving these two other villages. I couldn't get to the third. The next time they run into it again, it's like, well, there's um, another two groups that are going to get wiped out i can only afford to do one i guess i'm not going to feel too bad about it i already covered this the last time it happened i can't be guilty all the time and then it's like well i've already sacrificed like three villages at this point does it really is it really that big a deal if i sacrifice like another one i mean it's just a village we've already lost quite a few of them they're not nothing really bad happened i mean yeah it made the world a worse place technically but you know that there were some other people that moved in after they were butchered to death so <laughs> it's not that bad like you you start going down this kind of a rabbit hole where you start making more and more excuses why it's okay because if you don't you'd go completely bonkers because it's like yeah, I just let four villages die. Um, their blood is on my hands. Now what? Like, there's there's no way to get around that other than rationalizing it. So how do you do it in real life? And that's basically how most humans do do it in real life. They either figure out a way to say it's not that bad, or I'll fix it better next time, or they go completely nuts. Like, this is like source of like a lot of mental unwellness. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Do, do you want that to be the entire game? <laughs> I'm saying it's not. I'm saying the game is not different from life. Yeah, I, I suppose mean, that's, it's that's, not an escapist game. That's kind that of a way. Good good thing because then you can learn in a relatively safe environment of the game like how to handle this stuff before it happens in reality and then you're not prepared for it that that could be one use of the tool yeah um the other use could be learning because i give credit to the players because in my experience whenever i've gotten into as gm whenever i've thrown players into an impossible situation they usually come up with a third way they kobayashi maru it mm -hmm. and so essentially i'm i'm throwing the kobayashi maru with the players on purpose because that's where like that you know there's a lot of fun in subverting the game's intent for you mm. but that can't be built into the game structure because then it's part of the game's intent. Oh, actually, that's kind of related. Uh, I should probably actually explain the Kobayashi Maru thing. Oh, yeah. The Kobayashi Maru was the... the... So in Star Trek, 
who who is listening to this podcast that doesn't know what the Kobayashi Maru is? There's anybody. There's definitely okay. Some people. okay. There okay. you go. So the we found one. Okay. All right. So okay. So our our one of our two listeners just hasn't heard of the Kobayashi. Maru. So a full fifty percent of the audience, Rob. Um, okay. So the Kobayashi Maru is the impossible test that every Star Trek cadet has to fail to learn that failure is a thing that happens and that they should be inured to failure and learn to live with it. Kirk, when he does it, he loses and says, fuck you, I want to retake it. And then he beats it by by altering the computer program, essentially. And okay. they accuse him of cheating. And he said, "So, but you cheated first. You created an unwinnable scenario and told me it was winnable. Yeah. So, and sorry. That actually and, comes yeah. up in the movies as it turns out that he had never faced failure. He had always figured out a way to bullshit his way out of any problem. Right. And then he runs into a situation where it actually is an unwinnable situation and he's not prepared to handle loss. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. But I, but I am putting the players in that position. Yeah. Um, I'm putting the players in the position. I mean, let's see what happens. That's the whole point of the game. It's like, you don't know. Right. So I'm not, I'm the, the adventure is not written. It's not, there's no, there's no next thing I need you to get to. So it's, 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 I guess I'm trying to instantiate comfort in the idea of not knowing. Yeah. I think that's also something that ultimate good and evil does kind of trend towards the direction that most games most games that are in the high fantasy kind of thing do tend towards just because as you play through these things the stakes get higher as you get stronger right mm -hmm. like eventually it's like oh it's the end of the world like there's this god of magic that's decided to just murder like everybody because we can't be trusted with magic or something we're gonna screw everything up so he's just like yeah i'm gonna like just murder every mage on the planet and it's like okay we can't let you do that and it's like <laughs> we have saved the day and it's like well yeah but once you get into like higher and higher tier problems like this where it's like if we fail, the world ends, or at least the world as we know it ends. Right. Um, that that is a very definitive um, evil. There's there's no real way to get around it. Like it has to be evil if it's the end of the world. Uh, it it kind of has mm. to by definition. So where where do you go? It it you wind up every time you have one of these things happens and like you keep getting higher uh level story arcs where it's like okay we're at like the maximum level for the characters we're literally on par with gods we have to be fighting god level enemies during like extinction level events it's like it kind of has to be very strictly good or evil in rather white and black mentality because it doesn't really make sense otherwise mm -hmm. 
yeah that's what i'm saying once you once you get to that high level you can't i mean that, that's high fantasy right once you're fighting once you are a concept fighting another concept <laughs> yeah <clears throat> that's can you can it be more elevated than that like your two gods dueling it out and that's that's where that's the top i think but that's that's the theological landscape too so that's god satan or jesus satan or that's mm -hmm. actually a bad example but th that's more complicated than simply good evil but like it's more like it's more like um ashura and ariman from zoroastrian those are very distinct no overlap whatsoever good evil one was never something else and changed they were always this is eternal good evil type thing and that's more or less the closer i think to what i don't know what are the what are the are they are there version of the gods that are like readily accessible in D D that are like that or any other game that are here's here's pure good here's pure evil i don't think so i think even 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 like the super lawful good gods in D D have negative qualities and stuff like that so I, it's hard to tell um oh a cat's discord just died <laughs> oh no oh well huh <clears throat> yeah i i i don't know of an example that i can point to that does that Yep. Hmm. Where'd Kevor go? Kevor also disconnected a long time ago. Oh. It was also uh, oh, yeah. not so great today. So we're, we're uh, dropping like flies, Rob. Dropping like flies. Uh, let's see. Do we want to just bring in Cam and Sabrina at this point? I don't know. Yeah, I, I was okay. going to say we could also um, uh, one thing that Sabrina brought up that I wanted to to ask you about, or I guess get opinions on, was uh, about how um, the the concept of evil in a game, or I guess tackling evil in uh, as a as a major theme of the game, does that bring up? Uh, a conversation that should happen in session zero about the kinds of topics that are coming up. Like, if we're dealing with uh, things that we consider to be absolute uh, evils, I guess, how much does that overlap with things that players would want to um, acknowledge before entering the game, or like even just to address certain topics of concern? That might come up in defining what is evil. Um, I think that that's a really great point to bring up. Hmm. Oh, welcome back, Kat. Kat's back. Yay, thanks. Huh. Oh, good. I actually still can be heard on Twitch. Yay. That's why that would break. Um, hmm. So yeah, I would say that um, if you're designing a game, if you're talking about a game that has this concept of evil that you want to clearly define, that that definitely leaves 
room or uh, creates an opportunity that you really want to talk to the players about how you define evil in this game and the concepts or the themes that you might use to uh, really bring it to the fore of the narrative. So. Yeah, I, I think one of the issues there is the concept of evil is one of those things that people tend to just assume is like the idea of true love. You'll just know it when you see it. <laughs> like, let's be fair. In a lot of cases, sometimes it is pretty clear. It's like, okay, so you firebombed the orphanage. I think we can consider that as <laughs> evil. Well, were the orphan zombies or not? No comment. Okay. <laughs> because, you know, listen, sometimes the zombies are orphans. And you gotta, orphan zombies is gonna eat you just as, just as, just as if the, well, as the zombies' parents are still alive. Look, it, it's not terrible, their fault that they're, uh, it's not their fault that no, they're an orphan just because they ate their parents. No, it is their fault, though. Yeah, but they couldn't help it. So it's not really evil. It's just in their nature. <laughs> okay. So, so, okay. Undead. It's like, yeah, they're, they're okay. capable so, of good. <clears throat> they're capable of evil. Are you? Is it fair to destroy them just because they have problems telling the difference between the two sometimes? You know, as a zombie, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So this is the thing. Like, so, so does, is the zombie in D and in whatever system, let's get away from D and D. Um, oh, you can do, uh, just un unmute your mic and jump in. I don't care. Um, uh, it's the, the zombie thing. Are we, can we kill zombies? <laughs> or are we like the zombies like people now? Or are we just like, no, no, no. The mindless undead. Also, they're nice. And they're, this is, I zombie fucked this up. This is the whole thing. Like, everybody's been humanizing the monsters. And it's just like, yeah, but they're supposed to, you're supposed to have the thing that you're, everybody's allowed to beat up on. That's. They've done it definitely before I zombie. It was definitely like Shaun of the Dead. They actually did end up, you know, domesticating Chain. some of the zombies. Yeah, that's true. Even before that, <laughs> it was. <laughs> Well, it was one of the uh, Night of the Living Dead sequels. I forget which one, but they had like a zombie that just flat out said that they eat the brains to because it removes the pain of being dead temporarily. And it's like, mm. so I, that's not great to kill somebody else no. so that you're not in pain temporarily, but that's basically what food is. You could also systematize it where like you have various medical places that are like, okay, well, corpse disposal, but we're just gonna give it to these folks and just make an entire economy out of it. Then you can build a faction or a city from there that just boom, world building right there. Yeah. Just, just yeah. yeah, just just turn it into a just turn it into a resource management huh. thing. Where it's like, oh right, we don't have enough corpses. People are Oh no, there's a bunch of evil healers going around stealing our food. Right. Or like the you can in some games poison, like either detect poison or give poison to uh yep. people or foods or like Fallout 3, the entire situation is are you gonna pour, uh, poison the water supply or not? 
and that itself is just like there is kind of a right answer, but also players will be players. So uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's the thing. That's why I think like if you're gonna type, if you're gonna put evil in the game, uh-huh. like just say it's okay to take the safety yeah. off. And, well, and... God, I have, I have some stories about this because. Well, I'm sure it can go sideways. Yeah. I'm not saying the game. Right. Well, it's it's more like you need to have that conversation either within the game's text, like Heart did, or um, mm-hmm. even Spire does. And if you, or as a table, okay. like I had this today when we were doing mm-hmm. prep for a campaign. And the first thing we talked about was what kind of squad we want to do, what kind of faction. Okay. And we are thinking about a war on a planet, and it's probably going to be like, okay, we're not going to go to space. We're going to be trying to act as a logistics crew to try to get uh, smuggling. So one of the first questions we asked is, okay, do we want the enemy to be fascist? And what kind of themes do we want on and off the table? Um, had that conversation of, okay, what kind of themes are we going for right away? And also just generally like, are we going to play criminals? Are we going to play people within the military industrial complex or not? And mm-hmm. the game recommended that. It's like, okay, Beam Seder has specific sitting expectations. And also, as a player, when you get used to those conversations, it being absent is a giant red flag. Um, for example, you, say, say, say a little more about that. What do you mean? Sure. So there's a situation in which, how would I put this? Part of the point of play is that you need to be able to explore themes, ideas, and concepts, be it with a character, a world, or just the general vibe of the table. And that must include when you're used to saying these are lines or veils, things we don't want to cross, uh, concepts we do do not want to talk about. When you don't have that, it's not a simple safety cushion matter. It is you are building the foundation of the house of play. Like that's the analogy that comes to mind immediately because you are saying that bit over there, we're just ignoring right away. Or a simple might be like, okay, well, how do we want to handle violence on screen? Do we want to have it like a cutaway? Do we want it to be described or not? Is that a theme of our game or table? That itself can be a big deal. And I've had experiences where uh, the story will come to mind of it's a D&D campaign where we are going to be dealing with a big speech and a character believes that a player thinks that their character will one try to murder a certain npcs mm-hmm. two not talk to the party about it because the part the pc only trusts a certain npc which is in itself a player boxing themselves in then the player uh-huh. being bad manners about it like as someone who was like played other games you can lean into dramatic irony like that but if you're just going to say my character will murder and beat up until they find people that killed their family. It's like you're automatically just like boxing yourself in in a way of like, as a player, that makes me question, so why should I care? As, as, as of your play, of your character, when you're choosing to play an evil character, the first thing you need to do is to one, have agreement about how that's defined at the table, and two, make sure there's buy-in. If there's no buy-in, you're just gonna have everything fall apart. Um, yes. Where, and also so many problems, like at least problem tables in my experience come from two things, which is characters crossing the line in ways that just break everything. Like um, there was a campaign where there was a taboxy and just they kind of started going to cannibalism and like, wait, what? This wasn't the tone of the game. What are you doing? Then the game basically went, this is all a dream. And it's like, oh no, you just lost me. You just lost me. I made notes of feedback for you. And it's like about warning about this thing. And you just know, and the player didn't even want to talk. They're like, okay, it's, in game time, out game time, we're not having this conversation. It's like, oh no, stop, stop, stop. It's so bad. Um, but you're missing the fact that they have the rumblies in the tummies that only hands can fill. But the pro- 
problems like the player recorded it afterwards and that's also why like some podcasts do this or like general plays like do we want to take a quick break just to think or just have a moment because if players don't communicate you will not establish a practice of we will pause or like give each other time or give each other feedback so like an example might be like the empath and beam saber has an ability that in part lets you direct unintended emotions to other people. And the book has a specific section on consent saying like, listen, if you take this ability, you want to talk with your table, maybe you don't want to take it, maybe you do. And if you look at like D&D as an example of like, either situation of a character was going to get charmed by a creature and their patron saved them. But it's like, it was, if I didn't, well, I didn't roll high enough. So my consent got taken away, cool. Or it's just like, it's kind of gross in a way, not in a way, but also sad because like this is your way of having narrative and fiction. You're going to take away, you're going to either go the hyper edgy, this is blood gore without like full justification because when you say we want to talk about war in your game and you make it a theme, you can bask in that in a way that everyone's minds interesting. But when it's not, it's just saying who gives a damn. Um, and Cam and I had some of this when we were playing a little bit of Spire of a lot of the campaign was on the fly improv, but also giving each other feedback of, do we want this type of morality, this character going on? I'm not sure if that's something you want to go on about, Cam, at least from our play. I don't know. I, I, I think it's the, the thing that always gets me with morality is it's, it's something that everyone needs to be on at least some sort of the same page with and part of that i think is the game designers yeah no i want to say it's part of it is their job to like you know like this system is intended for like this style of morality i guess like you don't want to completely dictate all the morals of a world but you got to be like, from playtesting and from my experience, this is what works well with this plot. Um, mm. Like, in this plot, there is no, no negotiation with fascists, period. Like, don't even think about it. Th yeah. These are Nazis. You kill the, the Nazis. Don't think too much about it. Or it's <laughs> like, well, oh, sorry. What was that? Yeah, that's, that's actually something I wanted to bring up. Uh, mm -hmm. And you actually segue perfectly into it was the the idea of like, oh, well, these are our intellectually opposed, like, political concept, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. nobody cares if you kill Nazis, they're basically non-humans, you can kill them all you want, you can butcher them by the thousands, nobody has a problem with it. And that's perfectly fine for the uh, very black and white high fantasy, we're saving the world from the nazis and it's okay to murder all the nazis because they're nazis so it's fine you don't have to worry about it you're the good guys you can do terrible things to the nazis and it's fine because they're nazis but that usually doesn't make for extremely in interesting situations oh, okay around. that's that's a fair point uh, actually... i mean it is oh, it is more oh sorry I, no, I feel it is... your point. I'll continue it after. <laughs> I mean, it is more interesting to have those moral dilemmas where it's like, these people have done terrible things. Um, what what does it mean for us to do terrible things to them? Like, 
do we hold to our code of morals in the face of atrocities? These are still humans who have done bad things. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's even better. But this can be very uncomfortable for a lot of people, but that's kind mm -hmm. of the point. Like, the most interesting yeah. role-playing scenarios are almost always where the players wind up in an uncomfortable situation, or right. the characters do. And it's like, if you really want to do something that is more interesting, generally don't fight fascists, because it's yeah. it's too easy to say, well, they're pure evil, it's fine to do anything to them. It's much better, well, not always, it, it can be uncomfortable to fight right. people where they agree with you. They yep. totally are on your yep. side. It's like, these are these are your people, except mm -hmm. they've taken it to logical extreme and they've yep. basically corrupted it into yep. something that you barely recognize. And now it's like, if we agree with these people, mm -hmm. um, yep. oh, now so, so so long as like the players want to do that and i had that inspire actually um do, do you remember what, we, I, I don't know if it was multiple times cam when this happened to inspire but this definitely happened when the first time my character killed somebody oh yes yes that was a, a really, explanation really of that? big moment because until then like we, we're, we're sort of going through the campaign and how Sabrina's character was tackling things is they were talking, talking it out. And in and, and Inspire, there are lots of, like, different skills and stuff you can do to, like, have a nonviolent solution. And in the moment that their character realized, no, th this person, like, if I want, like, should probably die, considering their plans and their intentions yes. and their and morality. This, this was after my character had got a crit on a compel role to be like, listen, I understand that you're very controlling in personality, and you're, like, the, the essential concept that we're doing is um, the people we're facing off are essentially reflections of my character and NPCs because of weird experiments gone wrong. And hopping around between different places, it's very good. Um, but having that character of listen, my character is the talky idol and tries to negotiate. And this other character of like the the version of this NPC I'm with um, is saying, "Listen, I understand you want to talk with everyone, but this person is just going to be controlling and getting the point of like we can negotiate. Let's have a meeting." And my character having to say like either I can't risk it or this is not going to work is like a big moment and multiple sessions after that was about recovering or like talking about the relationship that the character and the main NPC had together. And also Spire has a very specific principle, subvert, do not kill. And breaking that as part of character felt like a huge deal that almost mm. every session I think about. And that's fascinating to me. Mm. That is fascinating. And, mm. and, it, and it was, a, it is an interesting the reason I like it especially is because the, the game rules, what was set up by the rules also pushed us in that direction, um, into that interest. Like, one of the principles of, of the game is subvert, don't destroy. Mm -hmm. And also it sets up the skills and the abilities so that, like, there is, there is, there is a nonviolent solution yes. to a lot of problems. Yes, w one of the abilities I have is once per situation, I can declare a bond with someone, which is essentially making them an ally that's temporary. Then at the end of the session, I can make it permanent. So if I really want to in a situation, I can declare someone an ally 
and use that to prevent violent conflict, but that also means like one of the people my character knows as an ally is basically a solar cop. And as a player, as a player in GM, we know why would I want to work with the yeah. cops? But also, my character is trying to solve a bunch of crises in many places at once. So having a cop in your back pocket is like, ooh, okay, but this is also interesting. It was interesting for me as a GM to be like, oh, any any person I show up, they can declare to be their friend. Um, and... See, this is kind of weird, too, because the thing that immediately reminds me of is Sins of the Solar Empire's orbital friendship cannons, where you... you can just force an enemy faction to be friends with you, right. whether they want it or not, and then it's like, uh, okay, wait, 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 wait. So this starts getting this into consent issues right. when you can just say, you're my friend now. So whether the, you yeah. like it or the, not. The funny irony to this is I, there is a, this, that was a high advance, so I needed to make a major change in the Spire to do that. And I don't remember how, but Cam mentioned I'm getting advances very quickly, which means I'm playing to making changes very quickly. And there is an ability called Kill For Me, which is the people you have bonds with will do anything for you, regardless of what I asked. And I haven't taken it because I don't think my character is that brutal yet. But I know if I really wanted to, I could. could, could. So like, morality right there with a talky face character is like, oh. There are so many angles for this, and this is really yeah. compelling as a system. I've I've interpreted it as less of a mind control, as more of a situation where like they are more favorable or see a like it's it's phrased as a bond. Mm -hmm. So there is a there is a bond between the characters. So in in the in the situation with the solar cop, when they use that ability, I go, okay, this person realizes that you're after solving the same problems as them um, in a different way, but they realize they can use you and maybe shouldn't arrest you. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it, it is hard, um, and it's also a matter of, like, what does it mean to become friends with people who have a very different sense of morality than you? <laughs> and this is also part of the class of the idol generally yeah. though there are many yeah. directions you can take it it's also fascinating for me as a player who usually plays a face of i try to use diplomacy for everything and as a player leaning into, into dramatic irony a lot more in that way of this mm -hmm. character wants to solve problems and when they get break the limits of that or have their wits go in then that just doesn't work like one of my favorite moments of the campaign was there was a giant light ball of magic that was causing problems. And my character is like, how I'm going like, to fix this is with getting my way in, then turning it into using occult magic, infinite reflections of my character, but also my magic can make it so it can make whoever looks on it have a certain feeling. So that's a potential intense form of manipulation, but taking it with me so that no, I'm the only one who gets to decide when this is used, which is in itself a major character statement and also like, the character going from altruistic to more selfish to more context-based selfishness, which is in itself a form of character morality, rather than just like evil or good. And even the mm -hmm. factions, like you have like, effectively like militant anti-status versus like reformists within various sub-factions of Spire as well. See, there's there's interesting ways to take that as well. It's like it's not just well, I'm going to take it for myself. It's like it can also be, I don't trust anybody else with yep. this. Yep. It's like, okay, is that selfish now or is that altruistic? Yeah. 
and even like the concept of selfishness and altruism like what's altruism like when you start thinking about it it's basically in the vast overwhelming majority of cases it's selfishness that's being deployed uh, with to yourself via proxy so like if you're going to take care of your kids it's your kids not somebody else's kids not children in general it's just your kids it's like that's still kind of selfish like even if it's not for you yourself it's they are representing yourself in the future kind of thing it's and it's the, oh sorry uh sorry it, it's the dilemma of like well i know if i do this nice thing then people will think well of me um so it's, i'm i'm being nice to others but i know it's gonna benefit me that's part of it sometimes it's other people will think well of you. Sometimes it's just, oh, well, I'll think well of me. It'll give me yes, the warm, also. fuzzy feeling. Yep. Yeah, but sometimes, I did a good. It, sometimes it's really, it's not that it's just by helping somebody else that you consider to be part of yourself in a way. Like, it seems to almost be like there, there's like circles of how far out from yourself you can extend the concept of self like uh -huh. some people will be like anybody in my immediate family is like i will treat them as i would treat myself then you could go like anybody in my neighborhood anybody that i'm friends with anybody that oh we're all human or we're all living creatures because like if you look at you know people that are extremely fanatical about like animal rights they're basically just extending treating themselves well to other species as well it's still a kind of selfishness in a weird right. way because they're not doing it for the most part like when you look at how they phrase things it's like they're not doing it because they care so much about the individual but because when they see the animal it's like oh this animal is suffering that i would feel terrible if i was suffering like that it's like you're doing it because you're trying to prevent yourself from suffering basically right. it's just you're seeing yourself in them right like a mirrored empathy sort of thing which rpgs can also do generally but the self-awareness or like application can be very different like bleed as a concept in rpgs is somewhat of an expansion of a character or set of characters may feel this do i have that feeling or not or does that impact me though that's not like a universal thing when it comes to morality and play that can be a big deal particularly there are some players i like that may say because i this i wouldn't do this in real life with a character i wouldn't do it which is mm. depends on one's intent but also as speaking more so as a player than anything, there's definitely a time when, like, it is a different experience to have a character as self-insert, accidental or not, and otherwise go with, I have a very specific focus for character X, and I want to lean into that as much as I can. Um, and also, there are times when definitely empathy at the table is a part of play that is important with safety tools, and that expands to... You know, if a, if a player is upset about something a character did, then that is something that usually should be addressed. And it also means, like, 
if a character believes that all goblins are uh are like inhuman, then another character believes like no, everyone is like part of Mother Nature or something like a druid. That itself may cause tension, but it's also a question of how much of the players deliberately wanting that versus um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that may or may not be part of it. And that's also where a lot of conflict lies, where like if you don't have that talk or a session zero or a game doesn't have the self-awareness, so it causes negative experiences, then it can cause a lot of negative chaos in that way, right? That's yeah. really hard to handle, though, as well, because there's the issue of the terrible feelings that you want to experience because like people watch horror movies, people go on roller coasters. They want to feel uncomfortable and uneasy. And sometimes like, mm-hmm. I like a situation where one character thinks goblins are pure evil and should be exterminated. And the, the other wants to preserve them. And it's like, they're, they're going to come to blows over that eventually if they don't deal with it. And that can be fun to see what happens. Right. It's like, I don't really want that uncomfortableness, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I do want to see the characters get into this really uncomfortable situation. Right, or or session zero, or those sorts of things. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, I don't know, I've had some GMs or or games where we've, we've discussed our characters a great deal with each other, and have come together and been like, oh, this is going to make for some interesting interaction. And you see in a lot of newer games that, like, create a bond and have a lot of questions focused upon how the party works together, their goals as a group and stuff. And then I've had other games where you just submit your character to the GM, they approve it or they disapprove it, they maybe make a suggestion, and then you jump into game, and then you find out that you're with someone who has huh? a completely yeah. idea of what to play as you. Yes. And usually the GM, well, I don't want to blame all, but I've 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 been in situations where mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I thought this would be hilarious. Like this Just is like, gonna be so funny. Like, this is like yeah, psychological manipulation without consent when it's like you can also have games when the players are like, listen, this conflict might come up, but let's play into it and enjoy it. Um which I personally yeah. find more enjoyable. And also situation of like GMs already have enough power. So if you think it's funny, like talk about it, please. It's not hard. It's like the that's also something that definitely like interesting to play with you because we've had moments of pause of like, okay, how do we feel about this? Or like what do we want to yeah. go with this exact <laughs> conversation? And that's been interesting. And it's like, okay, listen, I know this character would do this thing, but also um and I'm definitely those... going to need to get used to more than one v one games. When yeah, I start running more stuff. Yeah, that's fair. But there's also a situation where, like, in a one v one game or a small game, like usually in my experience, three people, like two people, one like one on one, that but build of trust and importance of care. Be it like, okay, I care, but like I will not abandon you. Sort of principle is more implicit, or it's more like directly in your face. Where that game I mentioned that had the whole tabaxi cannibalism thing was I joined in the middle and I tried to have conversations with the GM on the side, but it's like, okay, if I try to engage with another player about it, it's like, oh, do you want to discuss character things? And there was kind of just like, not much, or like, well, my character has secrets. And I'm like, part of me is frustrated because one, if your character has secrets, I understand, but also, how can you get me to care about you then? Why should I care? Um, And the other thing is like, if we have fundamentally different themes or we have crossover, 
that could cause conflict or issues or the analogy that comes to mind is single player games running at once when it's like mm, this is supposed to be a group game but it's not and that also creates negative bleed of attention economy in ways that are not helpful it's yeah. not ideal i want to i want to do this thing the gm likes so they will pay attention to me and only me and my plot to to be fair a, a lot of the fun from games does I like role playing in particular comes from you know doing stuff that actually has multiple characters doing stuff together so it's yep. like if you're asking like why should i care about your character well your character should be doing stuff that you know makes people want to do stuff yes. with them yep. at yep. the same yep. time which is it, simple but it's so easy to see how instances of that not like either going wrong or that just being missed as a principle right like that's yeah, what pi some games have principles about like be a fan of your fellow crew because x y and z it's like it sounds simple but having it in the text is important yeah like just a reminder that you know if your player characters are going to do stuff together you t they tend to like each other more it's like Oh, well, they've saved my life like 15 times. Like, I know they have secrets. I don't know what the secrets are. And at this point, I I don't really care unless it's a really big secret that's going to come back to bite us in the ass. Then it's like, maybe you should have warned us about this before yep. it happened. Yep. <laughs> but that can lead to interesting situations, too, where it's like, oh, so um, we wake up from being unconscious in the jail cell and turns out that you had some very powerful people that didn't like you. Mm -hmm. This really would have been nice to have known, like, you know, yep. five sessions ago. But now that we're stuck here. <laughs> For sure. There's, there's also a difference between the my character has a secret secret and only they will deal with the secret secret and i will keep the rest of the party out of it and i am the cool lone ranger and i would like one hour with the gm to do the cool lone ranger stuff um versus like secrets that like get the whole party into trouble yes 100 um yeah. and like you can have you can have bonding secrets but yeah, also it's a, a matter of making it up front that the both the, the players and the characters care about each other in yes. some way or another. Which, um, it ties into morality and trust too, because like the, mm. the situation of if someone says, oh, just find out in character, it is effectively saying, trust me without me giving you any reason to, or like there's a degree of like presumed trust that comes with play. But if you say have a dark paladin that's going after something, like, oh. it's a different game if you say, we don't find out until they break bad, versus I'm going to be playing a Dark Paladin, like, how do y'all feel? And a degree where, when you get burned by that sort of thing, like my previous examples, it means that having innate trust in that way is a lot harder. For example, if you've played with someone for five years, your trust with them as a player or GM will be much more... more implicit, yeah. Yeah. Also means that, like, even though the solutions to these are simple, the fact that it can like happen so much in that negative way as a pattern is can be frustrating. And also when a lot of these negative behaviors can mix up in a difficult way of like 
they don't have heated, they get heated and difficult, where some games are like, listen, if it's going to be coming to blows, you should like step away, act like adults, talk about this, this, and this, and this. Um, mm. Which, again, seems simple, but it's not something that's always done, particularly when it's like, um, the D&D example is the D&D example because that's like the basis that a lot of people go on, but that also means like, oh, just find out in character is like a common phrase or like, my character does my thing, but you need to have investment and trust. And like, if you have a party with a chaotic evil rogue and they do things like steal or like th effectively throwing in an adventure, then like that's going to be just a lot of negative bleeding experiences and also means like evil, like in a campaign when there's boundaries established is different from I'm just going to be an evil in a session or a jerk. It also depends, I think, largely upon like the nature of the issue and whether the, you're going to be aware of it or not. Yep. Like, um, so two examples that both are kind of important here. So one of them is like the rogue that's stealing. Um, does anybody know that they're stealing? Does anybody have evidence that they have stolen anything? Like. If you have a character, for example, that they get the reward to provide the reward to the rest of the party, for example, and they shortchange everybody else, but nobody has any reason to suspect that they did that. Yep. Yeah. You may know as players yep. that there's a problem, but you don't know in character sure. and, that, and that runs into like a metagaming issue. So sometimes the secrets are there for a reason because let's face it like not everybody is able to avoid like the metagaming issue like somebody will just be like no i can tell something's wrong like they're they're obviously giving off yep. something that's telling us that they're not giving out the yep. full amount and it's like yeah it's basically cheating yeah well I, like, I had that happened once and i basically x carded like listen can we please not and then we just okay that's fine and that's like we're not going to do that as a table and that's it see so there the my, my take on it is very much the like yeah if you're the rogue and you're doing the hey, hey i'm stealing from the party oh you guys know you don't know in character well that that creates negative feelings around the table um <laughs> however if you're doing that as the rogue and you're like, I need to steal this money to feed my starving sister who the party doesn't know about, and if they did, they might try and kill her because she's a heretic. Um, and the players all know that's the case, but the characters don't know, then that, like, drives interesting story. Mm -hmm. um, There's always so, the potential for that. I think the biggest thing is that you set things up so that there's potentially interesting conflict that happens. It's not just conflict of you stole from me, I'm going to kill you now. It's <laughs> you stole from me and you gave it to the orphanage, but it's the orphanage for like demons. Right. Demons need Are we supposed too. to burn the orphanage? Oh no! Oh, oh no! Around to orphanage burning. <laughs> are the are the or wait a second? Are the demons are the orphans demons or are the orphans for the demon? Like is it or are is this just a place where they're raising orphans to 
like is it, a, is it an orphan farm or is it demons have lost their family to... they're young okay. demons and they're being raised in an orphanage and, and we're trying to prevent them from giving into their supposedly inherently chaotic nature but then you have the inquisition coming around saying no we need to burn this place Right. Yeah, it turns out that it's actually like a bard's orphanage. Like the bard put all their money into like the orphanage for all of the illegitimate children they've had with like every <laughs> monster. That's very is. crusader case. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get thee to a nunnery. Oh wait, that's that's a brothel. I always forget that. Um, this is what happens right. when you have unre unregulated evil characters, folks. That's true. It's true. Don't like we don't recommend it. But, All uh, right. Make love, not war. Make Lovecraft, not Warcraft. Maybe I don't know. Make Warcraft, not Lovecraft. Not the racist oh, kind of Lovecraft. Not, not the racist kind. The, the tentacly, under the sea kind. Yes. But not the not the not the dude who wrote that one letter. Yoish. No. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow. Anyway. Well, on, on that note. On that note of talking about evil and RPGs, <laughs> woo! The whole conversation. I'll talk about Lovecraft until the very end. All right, uh, we're flail forward. Thanks for listening. Uh, it's night where you are. Good night. That's have a good night. I was hoping. Yeah. I was. I was not going to bring up Call of Cthulhu because. Uh huh. Jesus, what a kettle! Of, what a, what a, what a, a kettle of worms! I almost said yes. A, a can of can of fish. I don't know. Can of All right. tentacles. Can of, yeah. Oof. Yes. Anyway, good night, y'all. Good night and good luck. Totally right. Right. So and we're cleared. Thank you. I will.